0: Welcome to the Faith Lighthouse Church message of the week. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. For more information about this message and other resources, visit mylighthouse.church. So again, thanks for being here, a part of our series. This is week three of our series called After the Rose. And and the whole idea behind this message series is to, to look at what happens after we say, I do. Uh, the, there's a lot of belief in, in, in you know, movies and television shows out there that, that you know, teach us, teach as kids. We grow up and, and we see it all the time that, that marriage is the, the pinnacle. That once you get married and you say, I do, then everything is wonderful after that. If you're married, you understand that that's just not the case. That the journey to getting married may be difficult. After you say, I do, is probably going to be even more challenging than before you got married. And so it's a fallacy to believe that that just because we get married, life is going to be wonderful, that we're going to face our fair share of challenges, that honestly, marriage takes work, just like any relationship. It takes work. Getting married will not solve all your problems. There are people that believe that, that if I just get married, then all of my problems are going to be solved. No, that's not the case. Usually what happens is if you get married, you're just going to bring even more problems into your life. And so you've got to be prepared for that. It doesn't create an easy life. It just creates different challenges. You can't expect anybody to change after you get married. Well, if we just get married, then, then he or she will change. That, that if, if we just say, I do, then all the stuff that I don't like about them is just going to instantly change after we say, I do. My fairy godmother is just going mag- to wave her magic wand and poof, he's going to be my prince charming. Mwah, doesn't happen that way either. That's just not the case. All the boneheaded things that he did before, he's going to do more of even after he says, I do. Marriage does not change that. Just a warning. And you're probably going, men. I understand that now. I wish somebody would have told me that 20 years ago. We talked last week about the importance of talking and speaking the same language. And, and I hope that, that you took advantage of the website, 5lovelanguages.com. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you, go to the website, 5lovelanguages.com. Because that allows you to take a, an assessment of how, what your love language is. Every person speaks a different love language. And so when you go through this, you, you and your spouse may be, may be not communicating as well as you would like, and maybe you're just speaking different languages. So by taking this assessment, you can see how best to interact with your spouse and how your spouse can interact with you. So again, if you haven't done it, take some time and do it. It only takes a few minutes, and it may open some keys to your marriage. We also gave you last week a prayer guide. That hopefully you took advantage of to, to spend time praying for your spouse. That, that throughout the week that you join together and you pray together or you pray for your spouse individually. We still have some prayer guides on the back table. If you didn't get one last week, you can pick one up today. Or if we run out, we'll definitely make more copies and have those available for you. But it's important that we pray for one another. You see, in relationships in, in general, when we we're having disagreements, it's, it's easy for our hearts to become hardened towards one another. But what I have found is when you pray for somebody, even somebody that you're not on the same page with or somebody that has hurt you, your heart becomes softened towards them. The more that you pray for them, not pray that God will bring wrath and judgment upon their head, but you actually pray for them and and pray, God, help me see things through their perspective. Your heart becomes softened towards them. So maybe you're facing challenges with your wife or your husband. Pray for them and maybe that uh, that will soften your heart towards them and see things from a different perspective. So those are just a couple of things that we've looked at the past couple weeks. If you've missed any of the messages, you can always go online to our website and, and check those out. Uh, but today we're going to switch gears and uh, from last week and go back and looking at another biblical couple of the Bible. So if you want, you can turn to Genesis chapter 12. We'll have it up on the screen for you. Uh, but if you'd like to open your phone to go to your app or turn in your Bible to so Genesis chapter 12, we're going to be looking at a, a pretty famous couple, a couple of figures in the Bible that most... Most people understand and know a little bit about their backstory, So we're going to look at uh, Abram and Sarai. Now you're like, what? Well, God changed their name to Abraham and Sarah later. Uh, but in this context, he had not changed their name yet. Um, and, and so looking at their life and looking at their marriage and things that they went through, I believe there's some truths that we can pull from their life and from their marriage. Now I want for a moment, if you are married... I want you to think about, for a moment, what did you think marriage was going to be like? Before you said, I do, to your spouse, what did you think life was going to be like after five years? What were your expectations after 10 years, 20 years, 30, 50 years of marriage? What was your expectation of what life was going to be like? Now... Most of us have expectations walking into anything, especially in relationships or marriage. We have this, this idea of how it's going to play out. That by the time I'm this age, this is the general stage in life I want to be. This is what I think my relationship, my marriage is going to be in. That, that perhaps before you even got married, you were thinking that, that by the time you know, we're in our you know, 40s, we want to have you know, the, the big house with a white picket fence, the 2.5 kids, and the little dog that runs around in the backyard. That was your expectation. But reality might be a little bit different than ex- that expectation. Your, your, your expectation before you got married was one thing, and now you look back at your life and your marriage, and you're saying, That's, all of those expectations are out the window. Right now, we're just trying to stay married and, and pay the bills and keep the kids out of jail. That's our expectation right now. That's where we are. That's just, yeah, I wanted that, but reality is a whole lot different than what we had anticipated. Many times in life, our expectations do not line up with reality. At some point in your relationship, you probably have thought, this isn't how I thought it was going to be. Now, that doesn't always mean a bad thing. <laughs> a lot of times we go negative towards there, well, it's not how, but sometimes that's a good thing. I thought it was going to be this way, but it's so much better than that. That that was my expectation, but the reality, it's way better than I could have ever dreamed or imagined. So either way, either good or bad, our expectation may not always line up with reality. We don't get what we anticipated or what we expected. I remember when, before Rebecca and I got married, that, you know, we had conversations. I, I told you guys, if you were here last week, you heard a, about, you know, us spending hours in the parking lot and, and, and after church and all those things and just hours. And, and I don't even remember what we talked about. I just know we talked about a lot of different things. And I found out that John and Hope, they did the same thing in their church parking lot. So the church parking lot is the hookup spot, apparently. So now I know what to look for. <laughs> shoes are off it was holy ground so that's but um when we look at you know at at conversations that that we had you know I remember that you know one point we talked about yeah we're either going to have two kids or four kids well if you haven't checked lately we've got three we had one all right life is okay we can manage this we had two like yeah I don't think we want to stop at two so let's let's go ahead and have four number three came along we said nope done no more. That's it. Number three is it. Because now we are outnumbered officially. It's three versus two. We're outnumbered. And so I, I, I can't add that's what? Just another one on top of this? Nope. So we were done. Our expectation was two or four. We're not going to have three. Three. That's it. Sometimes life just doesn't happen. Your expectation and what re- happens in reality is different. I never anticipated that I would be back at my home church that I grew up in doing ministry. My expectation was after we left that God closed the door and we were going to go on and I didn't know where we were going to be that we went for Kansas for a couple years and that was not the will of the Lord. But um, if you've been around, you know the backstory to that. But I didn't know where we were going to be. I had no clue. I just wanted to serve God. But I never thought that I would be back in my home church serving. The, the, the expectation was I would never be back here again. But reality is quite different. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. But sometimes reality does not line up with our expectations of what we think is going to happen in life. And that happens in our marriage as well. And so I want to take a look at, at uh, Abraham and Sarah's life and, and their story. Because you may take a look at your life and be examining your life and go, You know what? Things are a whole lot different than I ever anticipated, than, than how I ever planned. And I hope that Abraham and Sarah's story will speak to you this morning. So again, Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1 and 2. We're going to jump around a little bit, but 1 and 2 for right now. The Lord speaking to Moses said, or Abraham, rather, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then God makes this phenomenal promise to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now, God says that he is going to have to leave everything that makes him comfortable, everything that he knows, and go to a new place. I I know a little bit of what that's like. Moving from Florida to Kansas, I had no idea. No idea what I was getting myself into, especially when winter came on. Like, is this the Arctic? What has happened right now? This is I'm used to sandals and you know, shorts all year long, and now it's minus 15 degrees. This is not normal. Why do people live here? It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't a fun place to always be in. Going to, some, to a new place provides an opportunity for you to get outside of your comfort zone. Many times we associate Abraham with faith, right? That we, in the hall of faith, that we, we, put, we put Abraham up there. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith Abraham, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a new place, he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. He obeyed. God spoke and he obeyed. By what? By faith. Abraham had faith. He followed the voice of God. Now, think about the conversation he had to have with his wife. All right, sweetie, honey pie, love biscuit, whatever your, whatever your affectionate you know, name for your spouse is, we all have them, don't lie, we all have them, whatever yours is, I don't know where love biscuit came from, I've never, that's a new one, that was Holy Spirit ordained, I guess, don't know, whatever that name is for your spouse, you know if they say that something's coming what do you want what is it well the Lord spoke to me and he said (laughs) and he said we've got to move now this was no ordinary move this wasn't okay the Lord spoke to us and so let's hop on Zillow and look at houses in the area that we're moving this was we have no idea where God is calling us we have no idea what is there. We have never seen this place before, but yet God is calling us to move, move leave our family, leave everything that we know and go. We're just going to hitch up the camels and we're going to go and we have no idea if the schools are good or not. We just we're going to have to figure it out when we get there. But that's what Abraham had to speak. We just have to go by faith. God has called us and we have to go. Often God will call us into things if we want to walk into his blessings, the only road to get there is a the road of faith. If we want to receive the blessings God has for us, we have to take the road of faith. And we see that's exactly what they did. But if you're anything like me, you're saying, "God, I need more details. I need more. Yeah, you're telling me to move and go to this foreign place, but you got to you got to clue me in. How long is it going to take to get there?" Where are we going to live? What am I going to do? All of those things. I need more details. Rarely will God do that. Rarely will God give us the details. God speaks. We have to take the road of faith. And then that's where we are. God doesn't always give us the details. Sometimes he does. But usually it's us just taking a step of faith. Why doesn't God give us more details? God, I just want to know. I I saw something somebody posted on social media, something similar to this. And if God would just sit down and have a conversation with me and and just, you know, fill me in all the details, and I would be fine with it. No, we would not. Because if God told us all the details, we would sit there and say, no way, absolutely not. There is no way this plus this plus this plus this plus this is going to all line up for this to happen. God, there's no way. We would, we would, even though it's God speaking to us, we would say absolutely there's no way that can happen. If he filled us in every detail, when I look back the story of my life and I see where God has spoken to me and I had to move in faith, if he would have given me all the details, I would have said absolutely no way, no how, I am staying right where I am because there is no way all of those things can take place. God doesn't fill us in with the details because we would never move. We would stay right where we are. The other reason why he doesn't give us the details is because it takes faith. If he gave us all the details, then, okay, then, yeah, I can do it. Or, okay, yeah, I guess it does make sense in the grand scheme of things. So so there is no faith involved. God wants us to have faith, to step out when we don't know how things are going to work together. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God speaks this to Abraham and Sarah, and, he, and understand what he's saying to them. You are going to be a great nation. Translation, you are going to have a lot of kids and a whole lot of grandkids. That's what God is saying. But first you have to leave. You have to leave everything that is comfortable, everything that you know, And we put Abraham and Sarah in the category of great faith. But when you dig down and look at at their lives, they didn't always have faith. Which is comforting to me to realize that, okay, that, that there's people that are in the hall of faith, but they didn't always get it right. There's hope for me. Even when they faltered in their faith, God was faithful to them. And that's usually what happens. When life doesn't go as planned, when it doesn't meet expectations, we lose faith. And we're not always as faithful as we should be. So I'm going to take a look at a couple things in their marriage to speak to our hearts and our lives when life doesn't always go as planned. The first thing that happens that we look into their, into, into their story and what can happen to us is when things don't happen according to plan or our expectations is we fall into fear. If you're taking notes, you can put that we just fall into fear. Look at what, look at what Abraham had to do. There's a famine in the land. And so in order to provide for his family and, and look at what's going on, the economy has fallen apart. And so he says, we've got to go to Egypt. We have to go into this new place. So he moved to Egypt, and, uh, and, and fear came into his mind and made some decisions based out of that fear. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 11 through 13. As he was about to enter into Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, I, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Oh, that's a compliment. Yeah, you're a beautiful woman. All right. Brownie point. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will want to kill me but let you live. So say you are my sister so that you will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Hmm. All right. So... What's going on here is typically and why would he why would he have to typically when you would go into a foreign land especially an enemy's land that if they you came into their land and they saw a husband and a wife and those people saw the wife and and they thought that she was beautiful they would kill the husband to have the wife. So he's afraid. If we go to Egypt, you're a beautiful woman and so I know they're just going to Knock me off so they can get to you. So let's just say you're my sister, which kind of is partially true. They're kind of half-brother and sister, but that's a whole other story for another day. I mean, that's just... But the reality of the fact is, hey, let's just tell this lie so we can get in there so everything is fine because he's afraid of losing his life. He's afraid of what is going to happen. But what did God promise Abraham? That you are going to be a great nation Translation, you are going to have kids and a boatload of grandkids. How is that ever going to happen if he's dead? The last time I checked a biology book, and I know society is trying to change that right now, but what is common and what is true is it takes a man and a woman to come together to have a child. And if Abraham is not here, how is that promise going to be fulfilled? He was afraid. He forgot God's promise And so that led him to make some terrible decisions, sinful decisions, because he didn't trust God's plan and what he said he was going to do. And how many times, if we're honest, do we do the same thing? Not the exact same situation, mind you. I don't know that any of us would be in this situation. But yet we fall into doubt and we fall into fear and we make bad decisions. There are staggering statistics of showing young people that are waiting to get married that it was, it was pretty common for, you know, you know graduate high school and, and, and maybe wait a couple years and get married in your early 20s or maybe get married in your late teen years or, you know, maybe wait until after college and get married. But that was kind of typically the time frame. Now, statistics are proving that, that, that young people are waiting until their late 20s or even their 30s to get married and start a family. Why is that? They're afraid. They're afraid of all, of all of the, well, what if, what if, we, you know, what if we don't get along? What if, uh, what if he cheats on me? What if she nags me all the time? What if we're going to get a divorce? What if we can't have kids? What if we don't make enough money? What if what if all of these things? And so we live by fear. Instead of walking in the blessing of marriage, what God has created for us, we out of fear, we're seeing this younger generation say, no, we don't want marriage. We're just going to wait until later on. We see it all the time in our finances. If we're struggling financially and we fear we don't have money to pay for pay bills to to meet it, then then we don't give how God tells us to give. That we're not generous with what what God has blessed us with. Well, what if I lose my job? And and what if this so, so we're not gonna give what God has has you know said in his word, so we're just gonna hold back because of fear. Not what God has promised, but we don't act because of our fear. Or we feel God is calling us maybe to do something like foster. That we feel God is called to, to, to be a foster family. Well, I, I, that's a great thing, but, and I feel like God's kind of speaking, but what if they don't get along with our other kids? What if, they, what if they just have a really bad background, and what if it just disrupts our family? Instead of walking in the promise, we don't act because of our fear. What if God is calling me to start a new business, a new ministry, and, and all of this? What if, but, but yeah, this is great, but what if all these things bad happen? And so we make bad decisions and sometimes even sinful decisions because of it. And we end up talking ourselves out of obedience to God. And that's exactly what Abraham did. God was speaking to him. All you have to do is walk in my promise. All you have to do, I promise I'm going to make you a great nation. But, but, but what if we go to this land and, and they see that you're beautiful. So let's just, let's just lie about a relationship. Because of fear. Fear gets us into bad situations all the time. It gets us out of obedience to God and his word. What if, however, instead of looking at everything from a negative perspective, what if we looked at the what ifs and what if this is an opportunity for God to increase his blessing on our lives? What if this is an opportunity that God is going to use me to bless other people? What if this is an opportunity for me to get outside of my comfort zone and do something that I've never done before? Instead of looking at all the negatives... Yes, the reality is such that it is possible that they could have went to Egypt and Abraham could have died. But instead of looking at that, say, God, you have called me. I know what you have spoken to me. So I'm going to do what is right and what is honorable. What if we look from that perspective? And that's how we based our decisions off of. If there is too much fear talk in our lives or in our marriages, then we will never walk into and obey God's promptings in our lives so Abram panicked God had given him a promise he said I'm going to give you kids I'm going to make you into a great nation he's like no 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 they're going to kill me and he stopped believing the promise of God and gave into fear so we can fall into fear even though we know what God has spoken we can fall into the trap of fear the next thing that happens is that we get we get ahead of God we fall into fear and then we get ahead of God when life doesn't go as we as planned, when expectations don't meet reality, we try to get ahead of God. God told us that we were going to have kids, but we're not having any kids. It's taking too long. God, come on. Let's fix this on our own. Let's, let's, let's play God right now. Look what happens in Genesis 16, 1 through 2. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Oh, there's so much wrong with that. So much wrong with that. I mean, that's like a whole series in itself just on that passage. Look what she did not say. She didn't say, Abram, God's got this. God made a promise and he is going to fulfill it. God can do whatever he says, whatever he spoke. Let's give him full control of our lives and allow him to work. Nope, she said, maybe I can build a family through her. And for the sake of time, I can't go through the entire story. It is a soap opera. But I mean, come on, there's just so much going on there. But we try to force things. We, when God speaks to us and we don't see him moving in our time frame, well, God, then I'm going to do it. You promised me this, but I don't see it happening, so, so I'm going to make it happen. And we get ahead of God. We get impatient. Instead of, you know, looking, you know, waiting for God to open another job opportunity. Well, I'm frustrated with my job. I'm frustrated with everything that's going on. And so I'm just going to quit and leave and, and not, you know, allow God to open up the opportunity. Or we get frustrated in our marriage. And, God, I know this is what I'm supposed to do, but we just get frustrated and we leave and we walk out. Instead of letting God do his thing thing instead of trusting in him we compromise on our beliefs and our values whatever it may be the list goes on and on and on instead of waiting on God there are people that that get into relationships instead of saying God I'm going to wait for you to bring me that perfect person we go and we enter into relationships we know are wrong because we try to play God and we get ahead of his plan we look at God and say you are going to do this you are going to do that and you're not so I will And here's what we need to remember. God is rarely early, but he's never late. God is rarely early, but he is never late. Come on, everybody say that with me. God is rarely early, but he is never late. Repeat that to yourself every day if you have to. God is rarely early, but he is never late. His timing is perfect. But we panic. God, you're not moving. You're not doing it in the time frame. So we have to make it happen for you. But we need to trust in him and have faith. And that's what Sarah did. She panicked and she got, it. well, look, this is the best solution. And so you sleep with the maidservant and have it. No, that's just wrong. That's just so many bad things. And he's like, well, okay. <laughs> if you say so. All right. wrong, wrong. Wrong. But the Lord is in this. No, he's not. You are getting ahead. That's not what God promised. God promised, I will make you two together, Abraham, Sarai, you. I'm making you into a great nation. But they were trying to force things. They were trying to make decisions based out of fear and getting ahead of God. And number three, we think sometimes that God's not going to do what he said he was going to do. Yeah, he'll do it for other people, but he's not going to do it for me. And I can see, I know I make light of their situation, but honestly, I can see that, you know, God spoke this promise, and 30 years had passed. 30 years had passed, and nothing had happened. So I can see, if I was in their shoes, how I would be a little bit frustrated. I could see how, man, God, is this ever going to happen? I guess we just missed you. I guess you really didn't speak that to us. We've waited for 30 years, and you haven't given us any kids. God, did you forget about me? Look what happens in Genesis 17. When God comes to them 30 years later in verse 17, he specifically speaks again to Abram. And he says, Abraham fell face down, and he laughed to himself. Will a son be born to me, a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age... Of 90? I mean, come on. What God, really, what's going on? God, God, this this is the century before the little blue pill. So, I mean, like, come on. Like, I'm an old man, Lord. Don't you know what's going on? Like, I'm dead. There's nothing going on here. Told you you never know what I'm going to say in this series. Are you kidding me, God? There is no way this is going to happen. I just don't see how you can make this happen. And Sarah, she responds pretty much the same way. In verse 12 of chapter 18, the Bible says, So Sarah laughed to herself. "Ah, After I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? If sarcasm is your love language, you understand Sarah here. You get exactly, I mean, it's just soaking full of sarcasm. And I believe sarcasm is a love language. I think that maybe there should be six love languages. Sarcasm is one. Where's my sarcastic people? Amen. Where are you at? Verse 14, God asked this question. and It must have pierced their souls. And I pray it pierces ours today. God asked this question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? After, you know, Abram, God, I'm 100 years old. My body's not what it was when I was 30 years old or 60 years old. Sarah just dripping with sarcasm. Yeah, what? this old bag of bones, what's going to happen? There's, I, I, it's not going to happen. And God says, is there anything that God can't do? I can't prove this. But I believe in that moment in their life, something shifted. That their faith began to rise. Is there anything too hard for God? Oh, that's right. He does say there's nothing that is too great for him. That all things are possible with God. We... You know, we get into Christian cliches a lot and we have terminologies that we use, and, you know, God is good all the time. God is good, you know. We say it, but do we actually mean it? Well, we'll, you know, amen, that's great, but do we actually mean it? Do we believe there is nothing too hard for God? At that moment, all of their unbelief, all of their manipulation, all everything, I believe, was just gone in that moment when God spoke to them. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? We can take God at his word. And I want to ask you the question this morning. Do you believe there is anything too hard for God? Do you, honestly, do you believe that there is any? It's like that, that you know, paradox. You know, Can God make a rock bigger than he can? You know, that's not what I'm saying. But truly, do you believe that there is nothing that is impossible for God? I don't believe so. I believe there is absolutely nothing too difficult for God. And I have to remind myself of that often. Because my unbelief and my doubt can creep in. When I look at the reality of what's going on, this was my expectation, God, but this is the reality. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can't do it, or maybe I just don't have enough faith, or maybe whatever. You're just not going to do it for me. You do it for other people, but I'm just not worthy enough. You might be here today, and you're in a very tough situation. It might be your finances, and things just look like they're never going to get under control. But I want you to ask the question, do you think your finances, do you think your current financial situation is too hard for God? Some of you might be going through a hard time in your relationship and your marriage and going, I just don't, that's not the person that I thought I I married. That's not, this is not how I expected things. Do you believe it's too hard for God to fix? But we're not communicating, we're not, but do you believe it's too hard for God? Maybe your kids are a mess and you're just going, I, I am just trying to keep them out of jail because every day they're just doing something sillier and sillier. But do you believe it's too hard for God to get a hold of them? Whatever you may be facing, fill in the blank, whatever you may be facing, do you believe it's too hard for God? How big is your faith? Have you ever just stopped believing God for things? Have you ever stopped forgetting that, that God can do Anything? No matter what you're going through, I, I want and I hope that your faith will rise today and say, God, I know you can do it. Looking at the example of Abraham and Sarah, I know, God, you can do it. That, that I want to increase my faith. I want to increase what you can do. I know what you have spoken, and I know you will come through. No matter what you may be going through, relationally, financially, whatever your job situation I encourage you to invite God smack dab in the middle of it. If you want a solution to the problem, say, God, I'm putting you in the middle of it. If it's between you and your wife saying, God, I'm putting you right in the middle of our marriage. That that I'm taking one of those prayer cards and we're going to pray every single day. We're going to communicate. We're going to make each other communicate to one another. We're going to share what's going on. If it's our finances, God, we're going to invite you right in the middle of our finances. We're going to believe. We're going to do everything we possibly can to to rectify the situation. Because we know nothing is too great for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. No matter what it may be, nothing is, let that not just be a cliche, but believe it. Let your faith rise today. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is too great for God. Just because life is not turning out the way you anticipated, if God spoke and gave you a promise, he is going to see it come to pass. Trust and believe in him. Embrace him, even if life has Just not gone your way. Even if you've made mistakes, we see clearly Abraham and Sarah, they made mistakes. But yet God still blessed them. He didn't just kick them to the curb and say, you guys are done. That promise I spoke to you, forget it. No, they made some terrible, sinful decisions. But yet they're still in the hall of faith. What hope and encouragement for us. Look at Romans chapter 4, 19 through 21. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. There's a difference between fact and truth. Let me say that again. There's a difference between fact and truth. Facts can change. Truth never does. Truth never changes. Facts can change, but truth never changes. The fact of the matter was, yes, his body was dead. Yes, her body was old. But the truth was God spoke a promise. The facts were the facts, but God said, I don't care about your facts. This is the truth. Yep. Yep. Truth trumps facts every day of the week and five times on Sunday. Truth will always prevail. Verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Something shifted inside of him. I, God, forgive me of my unbelief, but I know you spoke this promise, and I'm standing on it. I know you can do what you said you were going to do. Do not waver in your faith. If God has spoken to you, God has promised to you, that will come to pass. Life is not always going to go the way we plan or expect. Proverbs 19, many are the plan. many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Do not waver in your faith. But the good news, even if you do, he's still faithful. If you would, everybody, if you just... Close your eyes as we conclude this morning. Bow your hearts this morning as we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. I want you to just focus in for just a moment and ask yourself, are you characterized by your faithfulness? Meaning, are you growing in your faith? Or do you find yourself allowing fear to creep in? Are you allowing that fear to... I don't know, God. I know this is what you promised, but I, I just don't know. I, I, what if this goes wrong, or what if? Have you allowed that fear to cripple in and, and to sneak into your thoughts, or maybe you've been trying to get ahead of God? That God spoke, and you're like God, I just, I guess I, I'll just take things into my own hands. Or maybe you're just believing God isn't going to do it for you. God, I'm I'm well past the age of you doing that. I know you spoke that to me when I was a kid, but it's you're not going to do that for me. Is your marriage, is your relationship characterized by faith? Or is life just taking it over and and you've just allowed just the the, the mundane day in and day out to take over? Are you growing in faith with your spouse? If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, honestly, I, I, I want my faith to be strengthened. I want my marriage to be strengthened. I want my relationship to be strengthened. I want to have an unwavering faith And God, then I want to pray for you in just a moment. Again, with with everybody, with your eyes closed and heads bowed, as we just allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Maybe I've spoken something today and, and it just really has kind of hit a chord with you. I'm like, man, I just, I didn't even realize that was going on. I didn't, I didn't realize I was giving into fear. I was just, I thought it was just, you know, I live in reality and I know if I do this, then these things happen. And but maybe God has showed you that maybe you just allowed fear to creep in and say, I don't want fear in my marriage. I don't want fear in my relationship. I, God, I I want to stand in faith and, and believe that if you speak to me, that I'm gonna walk in that promise, that if you say that you're gonna do this, that I'm gonna have faith in you that you're going to do it I'm not going to get ahead of you maybe you've tried to get ahead of God and say you know what I don't want to I want to take a step back and God have your way or perhaps it's a, a promise that God has spoken to you years and years ago and maybe you've given up on it say God strengthen my faith in that again I believe that that will come to pass Lord I, I Holy Spirit I pray that you speak. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives. I'm going to do something just a a bit different this morning. In an attitude of prayer and and, and mindfulness of what the Holy Spirit is doing, would would you stand with me this morning? Just all across the room, would you stand? again if you if you feel like the holy spirit has spoken to you in any way this morning and you're saying god i i you know maybe fear has has crept in and maybe i've gotten ahead of you whatever it may be or i just i i just kind of gave up on that promise you say you know what i i god i i want to increase in my faith i want to increase in you and 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 i'm not asking anybody to come forward i'm not asking anybody to do that but what i am asking is just to make just to just to lift your hands to God and say, God, I, I want to increase my faith in you. Just all across the room, if that's you, God, I just, I want more faith. I want more faith. I want my faith to rise in my marriage. I want my faith to rise in, in, in my dealings with, in, in my job. Or, or maybe there's a promise that God has spoken to you years ago and say, God, I, I want to believe for that again. May my faith increase today. Lord, I pray as our hands are lifted across this room today that that faith will rise as uplifted hands, as just a a symbol that we are lifting our hands to you, saying, God, we're trusting in you, not with our own hands, not with our own might, but we're trusting and believing in you. You have promised, you have spoken, and we're believing in you. We're submitting ourselves, we're submitting our lives to you as an outward act. (laughs) Of something deeper spiritual happening in every person today. We submit to you. May faith rise in every person today. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Where the enemy may come in and try to to, to take away those promises. Or say you never spoke those. May those thoughts flee in the name of Jesus. May hope and faith rise in this moment. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. God, I thank you so much again for today. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for every person that has gathered in this place today. May we be encouraged and lifted up. And if there's anybody in this room that that does not have a relationship with your son, Jesus, may, may we submit to him. And just simply say, Lord, I I make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in your promises. I believe you died for me. Forgive me of my sins. I have faith in you. That you rose from the dead and you're in heaven now. That we can all have that relationship with Jesus if we just submit to him. May we submit to him and may our faith rise and believe and trust in what you've spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you've enjoyed this teaching, would you consider a gift to support the ministry of FLC? Visit mylighthouse.church forward slash give. Faith Lighthouse Church is located at 3409 Paul Buckman Highway in Plant City, Florida. Our weekly worship services are held on Sundays at 11 a.m. We also have various life groups and programs for all ages that meet throughout the week. We'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing in Plant City.